When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Edwards goes to Standall. Now it's Bennett. JPR, the fullback. Is he going to get his second try? Oh, what a killer blow for the Welshman. JPR Williams, the fullback, scores the try that must sew it up for Wales. Welcome to another bonus episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Warren Gatland has dropped his team early, uh, which caught us unaware because I had this scheduled in with, uh, with Simon Williams earlier on this week and uh, he, he's thrown us all out by a day sigh hasn't he but there we go classic Gatland uh, Gatland fashion uh, we're going to get stuck into that as well we've got so much to talk about just uh, still recovering from uh, from the game at the weekend a game which definitely warrants two pods worth of, uh, of uh, analysis and reaction uh, and of course we'll be paying tribute to uh, to the late great Barry John as well. So uh, as I said there, Simon Williams is joining us to do all that. How are you, Si? Not too bad, thanks, Chad. Not too bad. Still recovering from the game on Saturday. It was a bit of a rollercoaster, wasn't it? A Just a bit, yeah. I I mean, I don't. I, I was racking my brains, and you know, and you as a as a as a rugby historian will probably be able to do this better than me, but I can't think of anything that has come close in terms of you know because we've had. 2003 against New Zealand was definitely one where we're getting hammered and then something changed and it became hugely, you know, hugely exciting game of rugby. But I still don't think at any point in that game, I, I, I thought we were going to win it, you know, or maybe at points, but you know, there was always the fact that it was New Zealand. That was just like 42 minutes, Scotland and 38 minutes, Wales, chalk and cheese. I, I, I cannot, I cannot think of a game like it. It was berserk, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess the only one that might, and it wouldn't, it doesn't involve Wales, but the only one that might come close is the um, the England Scotland game. I mean, was it twenty nineteen where England went? Was it thirty one? Yes, nil? yes, that's, a, that's a great scoring. point. Yeah, was it thirty eight all? It finished, wasn't it? Yeah. So Scott, I think I think Scotland got a breakaway in the deception try. I think just on half time to make it thirty one seven. It was thirty one nil, then thirty one seven, and then they went thirty eight thirty one ahead. Then didn't they? And then England got the the, the try at the end uh, to draw the game. Um, but it was that kind of thing, wasn't it? You know, that it was Scotland having you know doing that to somebody else a couple of years ago and having it done to them on the weekend. And it was it was kind of a bit, bit frustrating, wasn't it? Because uh, when Alex Mann went over for that fourth try, it, it it looked as if there was only one winner. Really, it looked as if we had everything in our favour: the wind in our sails, and and it didn't quite. And Scotland sort of they just sort of put their foot on the ball a little bit in the last the last five minutes or so, and just just kind of saw the game out, but. Yeah, but it, but it was good, you know. I mean, it, that first half was was awful, and the second half was tremendous, and 
probably neither half really reflects where Wales really are at the moment. It's kind of you know, somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way of putting it. And we'll get more we'll get stuck into that more uh, in a little moment. But obviously, the sad news came on Sunday uh, about the death of Barry John. And again, as someone who uh, you know has has covered the history of Welsh rugby in a in a fair amount of detail, I was really keen to to get your take on the impact that that Barry John and uh, you know and his and his. Uh, his ability, you know, the, the legacy that, that he has left on Welsh rugby. It's just really sad, isn't it? It's um, you know that that generation of players and, and the generation slightly older. They're they're obviously you know com- coming to an age you now where this is going to be happening more frequently. But it's still such a, a shock, and and it's so sad when it happens because you know you kind of you know, we we had this with JPR about a month ago, didn't we? And it's and you kind of feel that these. These people have always been around, you know, for people, I guess, we don't remember them playing, really. I've got a vague recollection of JPR playing, but um, I d- didn't see Barry John. He retired before I was born. Um, and yet his name is it's, it's still everywhere. You know, everybody knows about Barry John. Everybody knows what he did. And, you know, he was the first, probably the first rugby celebrity, I guess. You know, he was, um, you know, mates with George Best. And the, there were kind of similarities between the two in the, the way that they approached the game, the way they approached life, and they were just huge characters. Um, and it is, I, mean, I, I think, he's part of that, of what created that tradition, I think, isn't it, of the Wales number 10 shirt. You know, we've always sort of prized and valued the number 10 shirt and put too much on it. And it's, I think it's partly because we just kept on churning these players out for a long time. You know, we had, you know, Cliff Morgan and Carolyn in the 50s and we, you know, moved on from there to Di Watkins and on to Barry John and then on to Benny seamlessly. So we had this this conveyor belt, you know, the, the, obviously the famous Max Boyce poem and all, all of that. Um, but it, it was the style that he played with, wasn't it? You know, he was probably came along at a, at a, at a good point in the game's development because... The game was being televised for the first time, so there are clips of him at his best. We don't see him sort of struggling about on, on a you know in, in in club rugby. We see him playing for the Lions. We see him playing for Wales, and we see him on these firm pitches gliding around um, as if he was kind of untouchable. You know, you could just you could glide. He didn't. He wasn't really a side stepper as such. He just kind of jink or you know, just drop his shoulder or swivel his hips, and he'd be away. And it was as if nobody could really touch him. And one of those players that. Everything seems to slow down when when the ball got him. I mean, he was uh, just from. But again, I think this is all from wearing up my hundred and one best tries in my crowning years videos. You know, when yeah, I was a kid, that's was, it, isn't it? a lot of us did. You know, it was. Um, but just just a magical magical player, um, and you know, by all accounts, uh, you know, a really really friendly, chatty man who would have a chat with anybody who who stopped by to, to have a word, really. And um, it's just really sad, really desperately sad, you know, that we've lost. There was a picture, wasn't there? That was that was tweeted out. I think it was Jonathan Davis who tweeted it out of five of the great fly halves. It was Cliff Morgan. It was Di Watkins. It was Phil Bennett. It was Barry John, and it's only Jiffy that's left. And it's it's just a real, um, you know, it's a real. Uh, it, 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 yeah, quite quite you know, it shakes you a bit, really. It's um, very sad, but but what a legacy he left. You know, a fabulous player in a fabulous time. Left at the top. You know, won a Grand Slam. Won a Lion series. Was unbeaten in the following uh, the 1972 championship, which wasn't finished, so he won all three games there, and then stopped. You know, and what a way to go out, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And there's something, there's a real rock star feel to to Barry John, isn't there? Like you say, that first yeah. first Welsh rugby superstar, really, you know, arguably British and world rugby 
you know that kind of first really iconic name uh you know who who stood out and as you say friends with George Best playing number 10 you know the the long hair everything else the way he played was really rock star right down to the fact that he retired at 27 you know the kind of it's better to burn out than fade away rock star <laughs> stuff and I I think that you know I don't know, I don't know if you're the same but that kind of that amateur era of rugby and in fact maybe right the way up until about 10 or 15 years ago I think there's definitely that romantic feel to it you know before it became very easy to or a lot a lot easier to get embroiled in the stats and the the over analysis of stuff I think that there is a real romanticism to um to Welsh outside half play and arguably none more than Barry John Absolutely, yeah, and you know stats are kind of meaningless are they, in in that context in the amateur game because you know you, you didn't have a quite often you didn't have a recognised pace kicker. You know, you remember some of Barry John's big games. You know, one of one of the big games at Scotland game in nineteen seventy one. It was it was John Taylor. John Taylor, yeah. It wasn't Barry John, even though he was the fly half. He had been kicking. He scored a try in the game. Um, yeah, it, it stats don't mean anything, do they? And 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 you know, as I say, it's. We don't see every we we don't have access to every minute that he played as you would for a modern day player. I know now we will be able to see clips of people coming through the academies and playing, making their bow, and, and all of this is filmed. Um, and we don't have that for for Barry. We have little bits, and we have these little television programs made about him. I watched a, a clip of him being mic'd up um, in a game in I think it was a game yeah. in Swansea on the Arms Park, possibly the old Arms Park, I think before the redevelopment. I can't remember, but. Um, it just kind of symbolises really how kind of ahead of his time he was really in the way that he played, you know, that, that he was mic'd up and running around and calling the shots and telling people where to go. And, and and again, he wasn't really breaking sweat. He was kind of gliding, strolling around and still affecting the game. Um, yeah, just just magical, magical player. Um, and, and, you know, he'll be, uh, be greatly missed. And, and it kind of, it does emphasise how the game's changed. And obviously we, we don't have that kind of, uh, that kind of celebrity anymore, really. Um you know, I don't think there'll be a Welsh player getting getting curtsied to um, in the next next few days. But you know, it's uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know, mate. It can, it can all change. A win away at Twickenham could uh, could change all of that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a very sad loss. Just one final point to to finish on. You're saying there about the how the value that we placed on that on that number ten shirt. Do you think in Wales it is it, that position of all positions is you know, is more cherished than, than other countries see their, their outside halves. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there are, there are some countries that kind of prize other jerseys. So it's the number seven jersey, it seems, with the All Blacks. That's kind of, you know, the, the iconic jersey. Um, it's certainly 10 with us, arguably nine with France, maybe, you know, because our France have always played off nine, so it's always been the nine who's been in charge really from, you know... Petit General, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, through Galion, uh, through Berbizia, right through, you know, it's always been the nines and, and obviously now the best player in the world and arguably one of the best ever, you know, uh, is wearing the nine or not not this season, but but will be next season. Um, yeah, so, so I, th- I think we do, I think we do, there's, there's a mythology around the number 10 and it's, it's probably because of that conveyor belt that we had, we just kept on churning out players who were among the greatest ever to play the game. And they all, a lot of them happened to be tense. You know, it was just, uh, 
it's a very strange thing. And a lot of that generation obviously came from one tiny little area of West Wales. You know, there were a lot of these players that came up from the Gwendraith. You know, I mean, so. you could you could throw a blanket over uh, over Barry John and Phil Bennett and uh, and Jonathan Davis. It's it's absolutely incredible, isn't it, to think the the talent in the space of you know in the space of twenty years to come out of to come out of such a small area. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And, and you know, the, the 1971 Lions, you know, the coach and the talisman, the fly half from the same village, you know, both from Kevin Heath, you know, it's it's uh, something you couldn't really comprehend or you can't imagine that happening these days, really, that, that a small village in West Wales would have turned out two such generational, such influential talents. It's uh, really extraordinary, right? Oh, absolutely is. And uh, we're going to take a look at the latest man to pull on the, the Welsh 10 jersey or who, who will be pulling it on on Saturday and we and that would be Johan Lloyd and we're going to look at that later on in the show but as we said right at the start of this episode an absolutely bonkers game in Cardiff and uh, you know I think we I think we pretty much called it spot on last week didn't we I, I had to, what did I say I said two point Wales victory could very easily could very easily have been if we'd have had a penalty given in the last uh, in the last minute or so yeah, well, there was that that shot that was a couple of inches away. Maybe it was you know, in the, in the yeah. eye of the referee, really, wasn't it? Whether it was shoulder or neck, really, and it was. Um, yeah, you were very, very close, and and you know, I, I retract my scoffing from last week. <laughs> well, I tell you <laughs> what, I cer- I certainly didn't anticipate it playing out like it did. You know, I thought in my head, perhaps we might catch them a little bit cold, and we'll yeah. you know we'll we'll hang on in the game, and you know, I I, I thought. It could be, you know, two Tommy Raffle turnovers late on in the game that we that we kick. I, I you know, I did not envisage that. I, I suppose the big thing though, looking ahead to this week, is what is the the more defining piece of evidence from that game? Is it the dire first half or is it the the second half and the the spirit that was shown? What what are you taking out of the game? Yeah, I, I don't know what you think about it really, but it's it's I think I said as I said at the start, I think it's it's difficult to really gauge where we are because the first half was so bad and most of the second half was so good <laughs> but mm. um and but but I think I think we were talking about this last week where we, that, that a young and experienced team is always going to be really inconsistent um and and, and what we were hoping for what I was hoping for were, were, was periods where we looked really good looked as if we were if we knew what we were doing um and were challenging Scotland and we certainly got that in the second half but but I don't know how much of that was just, well, come on, lads, we're twenty-seven nil down. You know, let's let's just go for it. What have we got to lose? You know, if, if we if we lose forty points to ten, well, it's better than losing you know fifty points to nil or whatever. Yeah, um, and and, they, and it just kind of started happening. But but I do find it difficult to believe really that that you know, the coaching team didn't send them out to play a pretty niggly, scrappy game to start with. I, I find that a little difficult to believe because. Because Gatlin's approach, it, when he's playing against the odds, is always to make things as difficult and awkward and horrible as possible, and then just hang in there and then hope for for something to come up, you know. And and with a bench that he had, he had players who could really make that impact, which you know that's that's to his credit, obviously. But I, I'm not convinced that he told them to go out and play as they played in the second half in the first half, and the players ignored him really. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and you have to look at selection because. If you are anticipating playing the all-court game and and going out and playing with you know with, with a lot more intent, I don't think you pick those halfbacks, do you? And you know that's not to say that Gareth Davis isn't an attacking player because we've seen that 
you know, we've seen that particularly, you know, particularly at the start of his career. And and Sam Casella can get a back line going as well. Um, but it was very much geared towards the bench kind of coming on and, and upping the tempo, I think. And yeah, that um, that to me w- was a bit of a, a tell that it that it wasn't the, the game plan to start with. And you're right, you don't, you know, I, I cannot imagine another game where Sam Costello has been sat back in the pocket on the second phase of ball and, and sent it and sent it up in the air. You know, maybe it was just the wrong call, but it felt like it was, you know, it felt like it was drilled in that the first the first um, the first opportunity is to is to send the ball up in the air and we're going to compete and uh, yeah. you know and when you're not winning collisions you've you're going to find it very very difficult to do that um, so yeah it, it is difficult and I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you that that it w- it would have been a conservative game plan to start with the bigger question for me is is it going to be a conservative game plan from here on in because I. I you know that half was so bad. It was nineties bad. It was worse than I, I think it was worse than anything in the night, other than like the France game. Was it at Wembley where it was like yeah, fifty yeah, odd yeah. points? Yeah, yeah, that that one would be up there. But other than that, I can't think of a half that I've ever witnessed Wales playing that badly. So you do feel like it has to be a bit of a line in the sand moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we don't have the players anymore, do we? To play that kind of game that Gatner's always played, which is based on physicality and it's about dominating the breakdown and dominating collisions and, and you know, hanging in there in a set piece. Because obviously, as we've discussed before, set piece is, is a bit variable with Wales and has been over the years. But but it is all about that. We don't really have the players to do that, just in terms of the size of them. You know, like, you know Sam, Sam Costello and, and Ewan Lloyd mm-hmm. are not, you know, bigger or patchel or that, that kind of gap. Um, you know, so, so it is going to sort of force us to play, I think, if we are going to try to be successful. It's almost kind of that that 2002-03 kind of thing where it is, all right, we're underpowered, but we're fit, we're mobile, we'll just try to move teams around. Um, and sometimes playing like that, picking teams like that, you're going to get blown away by physically superior teams and it's just something that happens and there's not much you can do about it. Um, but, you know, if we, if, we tried to, if, if we had tried to take Scotland on, which we kind of did in that kind of game, it wouldn't work against Scotland, it won't work against England, it won't work against Ireland or France either. Probably wouldn't even work against Italy. So we've got to try and play a little bit to our strengths. You know, that said, um, that kind of rugby, the rugby we played for that 20, 25 minute period in the second half, isn't going to be replicable every week. You know, there, no. there, was, there, was, certain, there were certain circumstances that, that allowed that to happen. You know, it was, I think Scotland stepped off a little bit and it doesn't necessarily take a lot to, to really affect the game. And things started working for Wales, so that you know the lineout started working, and rather than getting smashed back in contact, we started making a few inches and then a few feet and then a few yards, and there was more depth to it. We were holding on to passes because I mean, the, you know, the first half, every time we seemed to create something, the ball the ball would be chucked at somebody's face from about a foot away. You know, it was going to what <laughs> it was going to schoolboy stuff for you know. It was good that that he's not going to be able to catch that. You know. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we, we had a proper alignment, you had proper depth, but that was because we were making ground and we were, you know, achieving parity and then dominance. And then, of course, Ben O'Keefe got on our side then, and he was, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team that I've supported get fourteen consecutive penalties or whatever it was, and that was, and it was just ongoing, and, and it was Scotland losing their heads as well. So it was us getting on top, Scotland losing their heads. Finn Russell said later to me that. He was screaming at his, at his players to stop competing because Ben O'Keefe didn't like them getting their hands in there. Um, and they wouldn't listen. They just kept on competing and kept giving penalties away. So it was kind of a like a 
almost like a perfect storm, really, of, of, of factors coming together that helped us to play like that. Um, at your hand to score, but obviously being miles behind, then why not give it a go? Um, I don't think we'll start playing like that on Saturday, but we still need to have a bit more ambition. There's a little bit more, um, just, just a little more about this, really, but we're playing what we see and not being cowed, really, because I don't know whether that was a little bit of it in those first sort of 20 minutes of bit rabbit in the headlights of, oh, this is all a bit quick and a bit physical and a bit more, like, I'm not used to this because, you know, what the team have played a handful of, of USC games. Um, and whether they did kind of revert in, into, the, into their shells a bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. that It needs to be more like the second half, obviously, than the first half, but I don't know how replicable that's going to be over the course of 18 minutes on Saturday. No, you're right. And, you know, as much as, again, to, to bring it back to the romantic thing, we you know, love to, you know, I could watch that. I could watch that Aaron Wainwright break from from start or, you know, or, or Cameron Winnett skinning the hooker and putting Rio Dyer away. I could watch all that stuff. But ultimately, the the tries all came from driving lineouts, really, didn't they? You know, it was the, the lovely little, you know, Tompkins to Thomas Williams pass over the top to Dyer. But otherwise, it was, it was driving lineouts. And that's what got us back in the game was the fact that that was working really well. It put pressure on Scotland. George Turner dropped one of them and got binned. Yeah. Uh, it put them under the pump. Tupolotti was then was offside. That then meant that we played the second half or, you know, half an hour of the second half um, against, uh, sorry, 20 minutes of the second half against yeah. Yeah. against 14 men, you know, which, which gets you back in the game. But it is those nuts and bolts that have to go right in order for, in order for you to compete. And, and to be honest, I think that's, that that's more true now than than it ever has been yeah. um and you know you you can sometimes get away with an iffy scrum but you don't you don't win jack with a with a with crumbling line out yeah yeah exactly that and and I, I guess that's that's one of the the things to hold on to is is yeah the, the chucking the ball around was fabulous to watch and i haven't enjoyed a half of rugby quite as much from wheels in a long time it was just brilliant to watch but as you say it was based on on that sorting the line out out and Getting a you know a driving lineup going, the scrum wasn't bad. You know it wasn't dominant, but obviously gave away the penalty at the end that finally kind of closed the door. But um, but those kinds of things are encouraging because if our lineup does work, we do seem to have some you know a, a, a bit of a weapon there. Or something we did on Saturday, whether that's replicable on, on Saturday, this Saturday coming Well, I think I think it worked in the World Cup side as well. You yeah. know, if you look yeah. at the first phase ball and and how successful it was taking the ball off the top and. You know, yeah. some of those set moves that, that Alex King had worked on and, you know, Tompkins getting smashed and taking two men out of it or putting North or Morgan through, you know, th those things worked really well yeah. in the World Cup. And I think that that's one thing that didn't fire against Argentina and, and that kind of cost us a bit. And, and it certainly didn't fire in the first half against Argentina. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, again, hopefully that's that's reasons to, to be a bit more cheerful. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we're going to take a look at the team news that... Uh, uh, the, the team that Warren Gatland has named to take on England at Twickenham. And uh, we're going to be previewing the other areas of the game and where that fixture may be won or lost. But first, we're going to take this quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. 
From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Into the second part of the show then, Sai. And uh, yeah, this is, this is flying by as it does in, in international weeks. Um, as, a, as a Wales fan living in England, these can be pretty torturous for me if we're on the end of the uh, on the end of the wrong result but uh yeah I did just before we get into the the nuts and bolts of the game I was I was keen to get your your take on this you know what what um what is it is it like for you you know in the, in the lead up to these you'll have experienced a fair few a fair few weeks of uh of England Wales games but to me it almost almost I feel like it might be harder as a fan than it is as a player yeah, yeah, it, it's it's one of those. It's, the Six Nations is special, isn't it? And and the Wales England game within that is really special as well. It's it kind of stands alone at this time of year now, doesn't it? In you know January, February, March, um, as as something to kind of distract us from from you know all, all of the darkness and the wetness around us. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was all. I mean, I don't know. I can like the first time I went to uh, see Wales England actually was eighty five. Which was Jonathan Davis's first game. Then it was there in '89, which was the you know the game in the rain where you know it was up and under and and it was basically you know line out bomb, Jane Evans tackles Chris Oti, line out repeats, you know. Um, and I was there the first time that England won in Cardiff in 1991, which is not such a happy memory, but but it was always the uh, you know it was the game that everybody wanted to take, so everybody wanted to see it. Um, and there is that that real rivalry, isn't it? It's it's wanted to put one over on on a bigger neighbour, so. Um, I've always lived safely hidden away in Wales, so I don't know what it's like up in uh, up in England in this in this week during the season. I don't know. Yeah, it's never. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've said this on here numerous times. It's just it's it's too much to bear at points. Like even when we even when we won these games, it always feels like a a a moment of relief rather than sheer ecstasy. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. It can be, as, as I said uh, last week with with Yestin watching, yeah, watching Scott Williams score whenever that was. Tw- God, is that tw- God, twelve years ago? Uh, score that that one at, um, at Twickenham was yeah one one of my finest uh, my finest moments at inside inside the ground. It was just yeah a beautiful beautiful thing to be a part of. Uh, right, let's take a look at the team though. This is the uh, as I said earlier, Warren Gatlin named it a um, a day early, which he's not. Um, He's not shy of doing. Uh, it seems like kind of you know controlling the narrative is uh, is something that he's uh, often keen to do and get that out there, stop anything getting leaked. But let's take a look at that team. We'll start with uh, with the backs. So Cameron Winnett, fullback, Rio Dyer, and Josh Adams on the wings. Uh, George North is fit again, and he partners Nick Tompkins in the centre. The halfbacks are uh, Thomas Williams and Johan Lloyd, so the replacements from last week. Uh, an all-change in the front row, Gareth Thomas, Elliot D, and Kieran Azarati are the starting front row. David Jenkins, captains aside from second row with Adam Beard. And then a back row of Mann, Reffel and Wainwright. And then on the bench, Ryan Elias, Corey Domachowski, uh, Archie Griffin, who'd be set to make his debut. Will Rowlands comes back into the setup. Tame Basham also, and then... Uh, Kieran Hardy, Kai Evans, and Mason Grady. 
so, you know, we said there that the second half definitely showed, you know, showed some promise and some spirit and a lot more tempo. And that side is, you know, kind of reflects that really, doesn't it? Certainly in those in those key positions, he's gone for, I guess, the, the players who, who forced their way into the team in that second half. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, you know, there are seven changes, which, you know, again, given... Given how many changes Gatlin sort of put the squad, the team through last Six Nations and then running up to mm-hmm. the World Cup, we seem to have settled a bit. And then obviously for reasons of unavailability and injury, there were a load of changes again for last week's game. And then there are another, you know, we've changed half the team again for the starting 15 again this week. But I think I think the only kind of unenforced change really is, is Gareth Davis, who's been dropped out of the squad completely. Um, and I think the others kind of make sense, you know, so there's kind of, George North and Gareth Thomas and Will Rowlands would have been in the 23 last week. They would probably have started had things been different for Will Rowlands as well. Um, so, so them coming back isn't isn't a surprise, and that gives the team a bit more of a solid look in, in those positions. And then he's he's rewarded the bench, isn't he? So five of the bench have, have moved up to to the starting 15, which is um, well. I'm mean, going to guess you have to, don't you? If 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 you have such a kind of um, sort of a, that kind of dichotomy between the first half and the second half last week, and then they were so different. Then you've got to kind of reward the goodness, really. I, mean, I guess, and you've got to say, well, okay, you you kind of you showed that you can cope at this level, you can survive at this level. So go on, go on, go and have a go. Um, really interesting uh, selection, really. You know, given that England have gone for exactly the same again. You know, they've made one change on the bench, and so they've got that because they're kind of starting on a on a period of rebuilding, not quite as extreme as us, but. But they're kind of trying to bring a period of stability and, and a bit of solidity. Whereas, you know, well, we've just gone for this. You know, right? Okay, let's let's check the balls in the air again and see where they land this week. Then, you know, and give that a go. But it's, I think, it's an exciting team, um, and it it looks in many places a little bit stronger than last week. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. What about uh, Corey Domachanski? I suppose you know he's, I thought he was really impressive last week, you know, particularly in the second half, and you know he didn't disgrace himself in the first half actually. But I suppose he played full eighty minutes. Is that yeah. why you know obviously Gareth Thomas had had made that one shirt his own for the last uh, for the last couple of seasons? But do you think that's that, the fact that Domachanski played the full eighty is is why he's kind of will be deployed in more of an impact role? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I haven't heard Kaplan say anything to that effect. But you wouldn't be surprised, would you? Really, because you know, props don't do eighty minutes anymore. And and for him to have done that is, uh, and and he was amazing. In fairness, you know, he was he, he did okay in the first half, and then he just kept growing into the game and growing and growing. And he was having an absolute blinder. I think he got a tired a bit at the end, as did the rest of the team, really. But yeah, I think that's. I I would suggest. I, I would suspect that, that is all about. Yeah, he did 80 last week. Gareth Thomas was the man in possession anyway, so it's you know mm. let let him come on and run at tiring tiring defenders. Hopefully later on, and if he can carry the, the one sort of worry with the team really, I guess, is there aren't many carriers in the team, and and Domachowski is is one of those, and he's on the bench, so I guess he's there to. You know, Will Rowlands can do a bit, Tim Basham can do a bit, and and you know and Ryan Elias, Mason Grady as well, so. There aren't that many carries in the starting fifteen, but there are, there are a few to bring on from the bench. So it's kind of a bit of a flip from from last week, really. But yeah, I think. But I think Domachowski did brilliant. Um, Azarati as well did brilliantly as well when he came on. I think you know he deserves. I mean, I know he's in for Liam Brown, uh, with an, who's out with an injury, but but I think he really deserves. I think yeah, I think he would have got the nod anyway. If I'm yeah. honest, I, I, I you may you know again given that this squad seems to be rewarding the 
rewarding the bench. I think that's the one that makes, uh, you know, I think he yeah. would have probably got the nod there and you would probably say he's the superior, the superior scrummager. And, you know, for all of Scotland's strengths, perhaps scrummaging is not their, is not their biggest one. Yeah. England have had their woes, but in Joe Marler, you do have a gnarly, a gnarly experienced, really good scrummaging loose head prop there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, so England are sort of mixing and matching it, but they do have kind of a, an experienced spine, don't they? And, and the front row is experienced. You know, they've got you know, Jamie George there as well as captain, obviously, and Marla. They're both kind of pushing 90 caps. And even Will Stewart, you know, he's, he's on 34 odd caps, so he's been around a while. They've got a torch behind them. So the kind of the front five is is wily and experienced and gnarly. Mm-hmm. They know they know what they're about. Um, and, you know, our, our front row is a little bit more callow, really, although bringing Gareth Thomas in for Domachowski brings in a bit more experience. He's been around for a while, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, it may be that you know it's kind of like we need to we need to be able to um, start fairly quickly and take the game to England, and then we do need you know the power later on. Really, I think is, is probably the approach. So. Yeah, well, I suppose the the big thing then is what are the areas that Wales will be looking to exploit in this game? Are there any? It's hard to say, given that, again, this is a very fresh England side, but is there anything that you saw last week that uh, are potential weaknesses from England or, or potential strengths from Wales that will give us an opportunity on Saturday? Um, I think I think the defence is going to become a real weapon for England, but I don't think they're quite there yet. So they were, they obviously have got Felix Jones coming in from South Africa and it seems that he's trying to deploy that the kind of sort of super mega blitz defence that he developed in South Africa, um, which is which is really risky and everybody's flying in and, and, and cutting the ball off. And if you can get it outside, then you have a chance, but trying to get it outside is really, really risky. So um, if, if we're able to play with the kind of width that we played on Saturday, if we played last Saturday on this coming Saturday, then there is an opportunity to get around. You could see a little bit in the Italy game, the England-Italy game. Um, that they weren't quite sure where they were. You know, they were kind of aligning incorrectly at times. You know, for um, for one of the tries, I think they had four or five forwards on the wrong side of a ruck, marking basically nobody, and there was a big gap out, out wide. Um, you know, Breck Smith and midfield burst to create the first try for um, for Alessandro Gabisi. And so it's as if they're not quite sure what they're doing. It did seem to settle down in the second half. They did seem to tighten that up a bit. Um, but it is new, isn't it? It's an entirely new system to be learning something that crucial, that important in the Six Nations is is a challenge. I think there's something there. Um, the, the the kind of I didn't see too much um, sort of creativity really in the midfield. So I don't know whether there's much coming there. Whether that's just bending in, you know, they were kind of quite dependent on Tommy Freeman roaming around the place and, and making his his bursts, um, and he was really he was really impressive. Um, but there's a, there are a little there are a few little things there, and, and you know this isn't the team of the last few years. You know it's not the team of Farrell and the Vunipolas and the Ben Youngs and all of these players. You know that you know, Sinclair's gone as well. There, there are lots of players that you would worry about as a well supporter being you know being players that are you know among the best around and you know gnarly. They've been there. They've done it. They know what they're doing. And they aren't there, so there is an element of um, of rawness. You know the, the back row is is fairly relatively inexperienced, um, or at least not, you know, not players who've been playing regularly. So there's an opportunity there, I think. So so there are areas that I think we can we can target. Apparently Alex King was talking this week as well about 
having a creative kicking game as well. So I think there's there's an idea of putting a bit of dinks or you know little chips in behind, a little kick passes, various things, and just mixing it up a little bit. I think and just making them think a bit. I think you'd I think you'd have to look at it that way. Just looking at like you say the Felix Jones. Uh, factor. We know that we know what he likes his defenses to do, and we saw that in evidence last week against Italy. But then also, if you you know if you kick too long, Freddie Stewart doesn't drop anything. So you know you. But there there is a lot of space in between for you to try and target. So I think yeah, the grubbers and the and the little dinks over the top to to turn that defense and 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 negate the blitz um, is going to be crucial. And actually, I think this this I mean. It's not an easy place to go and make your day, uh, not your debut. Well, I suppose it's, it's your first start at 10, isn't it, Johan Lloyd? But yeah. it's not an easy place. But I can't think of, you know, I can't think of many other players who've got the skill set I would want there. You know, I, I think he's, he's got that perfect ability to be able to run it himself. Because again, a slight dog leg, he can take it on. He's got the pace and the, and the, the, uh, the footballing ability to get through. He's got a, a good a good short kicking game. It's not like you know, it's not like a, a Dan bigger send it up in the air and, and chase your own kick stuff. But I think he's got a cute, good rugby brain on him. I mean, it's a it's a massive task at this at this stage in his career. But it's also not a hugely experienced England backline. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm excited about the prospect of, of Williams and Lloyd playing halfback. Yeah, yeah, but they, I mean, they, they need a better platform than, than Gareth Davis and Costello got in the first half last week. And uh, yeah, absolutely. got off to a good start. Um, but then it's kind of a, you know, which came first kind of thing, chicken and egg thing, isn't it, really? Because when Thomas came out, came on and when Jon Lloyd came on, they were immediately speeding things up. So Thomas was immediately taking little taps and goals and he was, he was running and he was challenging the defence and he was immediately putting Scotland under pressure. And that can kind of flip the pressure, can it? Because all of a sudden, you know, the Scots aren't quite sure what's happening. The, the, our, our sort of clearers have got something to aim at. And then that, that builds momentum. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and really, you know, it's, it's, I think as we've been saying for, for this season, and I hope that we do, you know, that the kind of supporters in the media do stick with this, is that this is a, a rebuilding season. You know, there, there are going to be times when things go wrong and they might go badly wrong at times. But we, you know, we need to try and have a bit of stability now, and to try and identify the players that we think, or the Gatlin thinks he can work with for the next two, three, four years. And I think you know, people like uh, you know, Johan Lloyd are, are probably um, the kinds of players that we're going to need to have because we are going to have a young and fairly callow pack in places, um, and you know that that means that we're going to that we may have greater mobility, we won't be able to move teams around, but we're not going to be able to beat teams up physically in the way that some Welsh teams have in the past. So it's about playing to our strengths, isn't it? And and you know, you and Lloyd, I think, showed on Saturday that he can bring something different that that people aren't maybe used to at that kind of level. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the England back row there, which you know again has not played together a, a great deal. You know, Ethan Root's winning a Man of the Match award on his on his first his first international outing. I do like the look of Wales's back row though, in terms of the balance. For me, it feels like a like a classic. Hard hitting, doggies, grizzly six. Even though he's only twenty two, uh, and then you know a proper wild dog over the ball in in Reffle. and then you've got um, you know good ball carrier Aaron Wainwright, but you know an explosive dynamic uh, runner as well. So again, is that an area do you think Wales might just have the edge? Well, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Reffle was just amazing, wasn't he last week? He was he was just ridiculous. Um, 
it was almost as if you know Scotland couldn't do anything about him. They, they, you could see him coming; he was going to clamp onto the ball, and there was nothing anybody could do about it. And that was that. Was that. He was just incredible. Um, I know Wayne Wright is now the senior player in the back row, and he just was amazing. You know the way he was carrying, the way he was taking the game to to Scotland. Um, and Alex Mann was, you know, he, he seemed. I mean, obviously, thing everything was going in our favour when he came on. So, you know, thing it, it was easier for him to play maybe than it was for Jim Botham in the first half, but. But he seemed to be suited to it, you know, the way he was getting around, the way that he got that tap tackle in, and I think it was Hugh Jones, wasn't it? When you know he yeah. kicked the head, and there was what would have put the game to bed. Basically, Scotland went away, and he got he got a, just a fingertip to to Hugh Jones. Um, he got a try. He was you know carrying, and and I think it's that's partly what what Wales are going to have to be about. I think is being a bit clever. So you know, Alex Mann isn't going to run through people, but his footwork is very good, and he can just. Put it, put the tackle a little bit off balance, and then he can make you know, make uh, make a bit of ground that way. And Wainwright's the same; he's not somebody who's going to run through people. And again, he's you know it's about shifting it, you know, dimming it, and offering something, making people think you're going to do something different. And then then off he goes, and he's got the athleticism and the speed to get away. Then um, you know, Raffle doesn't offer very much in an attacking uh, capacity, but you know, Lydia didn't ten years ago in a, in a different way, wearing six, I and mean, he was just there. To get over the ball and to create to create a nuisance of himself, so I think that back row is really really promising. Um, Basham has been a bit you know, as the as the substitute this week. He's been a bit of a liability at times over the last year or so, but he's a bit wild. But you know, he's a strong carrier. He can mix it up. He can he can sort of make an impact when he comes on. So yeah, I'm quite, it's quite quite an exciting back row, and it's kind of a, it's a back row that could be there for for a few years, you know, it's um, it's a very young background, isn't it? I mean, you've got Mann who's 22 and Ref was 24, Wainwright's the old man at 26, you know, so they could be there for years, you know. Yeah, I just quickly on Basham, I think you're right. It's, you know, if he can temper the uh, the enthusiasm, uh, I, I think he's the ideal player to come on, really, yeah. because he, can, yeah. he, covers, he covers six, seven, eight, but, I mean, for me, he's probably, a, I think he's probably a seven, to be honest, but yeah. there's no shortage of them. Um, but, you know, to come on with 20 minutes to play, he's very athletic, hugely aggressive, can win you a turnover out of nothing, can take, you know, can can make a bust, can can carry it well. You know, I think he's a really good impact to bring on, particularly if you've got kind of Alex Mann doing, like we said, like that Lydiate role of just tackling, hitting rucks, uh, you know, just doing lots of donkey work throughout the, throughout the game, bringing impact, uh, bringing Basham on, I think, can make a big impact. So, hopefully, that's another that's another good option there. I think off the bench. So, yeah, potentially a, a really good area to to have a look at. Right, we're going to take one final quick break, and then when we come back, we are going to uh, we're going to make some predictions. Seeing as that was uh, seeing as that was uh, so popular last week, um, but that's coming up after this quick break. Flying by again, Si, absolutely flying by. Before you know it, it's going to be Saturday morning and uh, we'll be yeah, getting very, very close to that uh, to that all-important fixture at Twickenham. I suppose the, um, yeah, the, the selection, just to, to wrap up on that, is there much to be read into um, the kind of the difference between Borthwick and Gatland here? Because... Your Gatland, you know, got off the back of that stinking first half, has has rung the changes and said, right, we we still need to figure what we're we're looking at for. Borthwick has has opted for consistency, you know, and they were they were decent against Italy, if unspectacular. Yeah, you know, if, if if it had been the other way round and and Wales had kind of 
ground out a victory away at Italy. Do you think we'd have seen many changes, or would Gatland have been tempted to go for to go for the same again? Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he's tended to kind of stick with by and large with a winning team, isn't he? He's not tended to make too many changes if he can help it. Um, and I think he's kind of just searching a little bit at the moment for the right combinations, the right players. He's still getting to know them because you know, we talked about before that just the ridiculous turnover of players with the amount of injuries and unavailabilities mm. that he's had to contend with um, for various reasons means that he's not really had that that opportunity. So, you know, we were talking earlier about there, there are three players who definitely have started last week who've come in and they're very experienced players. And then he's given the bench a bit of a chance because you know, we really had to. Um, I think there is there is less on this for Gatlin, I think, than for Borthwick because... As you say, both because he's got a win. So you know, for Scotland, things are on, for England. Sorry, things are on. Um, they haven't played well at Twickenham recently. You know, their last three games, I think, have been that that obliteration by France at the end of last season, and then you know, they scraped that win against Wales when you know we, we should have beaten them in the summer, and then they lost to Fiji. So you know, the, the supporters there will maybe be expecting a little bit from from England. You know, and I don't know whether they'll be happy with just grinding. A win out, you know, because you know you, that that World Cup run to the semi final, nobody really fell in love with the team there amongst, mm-hmm. amongst the English rugby population. So, will they be expecting a little bit more? Will they be expecting a bit more? You know, a bit of fizz, a bit of a bit of style. Um, so, I think it's kind of it's a it's kind of a shot to nothing for for Gatlin. I think Borthwick's trying to do things in a more kind of methodical, pragmatic kind of way of just feeding players in, but that's partly because he's able to he, he was able to pick something close to his top team last week and they won and he's been able to stick with them so I think it's kind of circumstances as well as a bit of pragmatism I think yeah no I think you might well be right we started the show kind of talking about about rugby history I suppose Twickenham is not necessarily a happy hunting ground for for Wales in you know in, in kind of modern history uh last win there in the Six Nations was was in 2012 do you think you know will any of the the current crop be bothered by that or will it be actually you know will they be aware of those things given that given you know what a young and inexperienced uh, crop of players it is what do you what do you think about that is you know is it does history really play that much into it because we heard so much last week about Scotland and that terrible record they've got in Cardiff um you know do you, are we now at that stage where because it's been over ten years, it, it'll start to creep in. Admittedly, there was the, the World Cup, the World Cup win in there, which we mustn't forget. But yeah, what, what do you think about the the role history has to play in in the lead up to these games? Yeah, it's interesting. The um, the, the games over the last kind of fourteen years have kind of followed a pattern, which is is a really bizarre pattern that, that they've often been very close games in the end, but mm. always England get out to a flying start and build up a big lead very early on. You know, it's uh, as you know, I wrote um, something on the the Gladfront page today, um, which which has looked at some of the games and, and the deficits that Wales have got themselves into um, in in those games, you know, and and it's just amazing, you know. So I mean, two thousand eight they went thirteen points down and won. In two thousand ten they went seventeen points down. It's been eleven, nineteen, twelve, seventeen, seventeen. So they, they get themselves in a horrible hole, you know, real trouble, and they very often come up, come back, you know. So the last four games. Um, have been won by less than a score, but they've gone way, way, way behind. So there is something about the England-Wales game that England start well at Twickenham and Wales don't. And then it's all about hanging in there and then then trying to capitalise later on. 
but I don't think we can afford to do that this time. You know, it's not a case that we've got that hard gnarly team that we've had for the last decade or so. I think we've got to try and start with a little bit more ambition, a little bit more uh, width, I think. Just just for that, really, because you know, England will come at us and um, and we need to try and handle that and try and hang in there and, and, and create something and give them something to think about rather than hoping to wear them down. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it, that the record isn't good, but then we're never far away, regardless of what happens. You know, it's, it's always a few points in it um, in the end, although, you know, the last, as you say, the last six, five or six games have been all in England's favour. Um, I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think it's, you know, the history we're playing on their minds or is, is, is this... I, I, don't, I, think it's, I think it's such a young side. You know, I think if you had... You know, if you had Tips and Alan Wynn and you know a few a few others of those knocking around still in the side, perhaps that would be getting to the point where it would start to be nagging a bit. But I mean, you know, what would that work out? The last time, the last time Wales won there, Alex Mann would have been ten, you know, and <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it will be. It will be weighing that heavily on their on their mind. Um, yeah. I think you know that none of those players were involved and. Like I think, like you said, it is it is a kind of a shot to nothing for everything, you know, for everyone. This championship isn't is more about performance than it is than it is results. And all of those games that you've highlighted there, Wales ran England close, but really never looked like winning it. You know, like you say, a lot of them were kind of tries late on, or you know, perhaps when England had let their, their foot off the the gas a little bit. Um, but I think with this, there is a chance. There, there is a chance to make an impact. But you're right. You have to. It's one thing playing as awfully as they did against Scotland, and then at home, and then being able to come back into it and, and almost win it. And even that is, you know, is an extraordinary game of rugby. You know, you you concede twenty odd points to England in the first half at Twickenham. You know, whatever England side it is, it's. Yeah. It, it it could be absolutely barbaric. So, so we've got to get things right. But but I do think I, I genuinely do think that there'll be a sense of belief in the squad, um, because this you know they knew it was going to be tough, and there's such raw potential there. I, I really you know I I don't know I've you think back to the dark days at the nineties. I, I don't there was always talent in the squad, but I don't know if you ever felt there was that you know that huge amount of that huge amount of potential there. Whereas now I feel like. You know, some of these players have got massive ceilings on them. You know, I think that there are some really brilliant players in there. Like you say, Reffel at 24, there's a, there's more to come from him. And he might be playing the best part of his career off the bench, you know, if, if Morgan comes back and plays the, the way he did during the World Cup. So there's there are those positives in there, but it's but it's raw talent. It's not, you know, it's not the it's not the finished article yet, but it could be a massive stride. So I think, you know, a big performance on Saturday and not just like I was a couple of late consolation tries, but if we run England close to the point where they're, they're worried, I think that will be a big, that could be a big, um, a big step forward for this well side. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, um, the realistic approach, isn't it? Is that to the season really, to the six nations campaign is that, you know, we, we would like to be Italy at home, but then for the other games, it's a case of really, you know, really challenging and really giving teams something to think about and maybe getting over the line in one or two. You know, we had a chance last Saturday, we didn't we weren't quite able to take it at the end. Um but you know, yeah, it, it is about challenging England and making it difficult for them and making them think. And you know, if 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 we kind of, you know, if if we can go into like the last last forty minutes, last thirty minutes, only kind of six or eight points down then, I think we've got every chance. It's it's about 
I mean, history tells us it's about it's about living with that blitz in the first half. And if we live with that blitz, and, and we're talking here about better Welsh teams, but also far better English teams. Um, yeah, that's true. That it's you know that it's it's living with that really, and and yeah, it, it would be it would be nice if we could challenge them straight off. I mean, another cracking stat which you've probably heard because as we talked about quite a lot is the last first half try Wales scored at Twickenham was by Martin Williams in two thousand and six. So it's kind of, we don't we don't yeah. we don't score in the first half, you know. Um, so which, uh, which is uh, one of my which is another awful day I had as a Wales fan. <laughs> I wasn't in the ground that day. I was living in Germany that year, and I managed to find an Irish pub uh, in Hanover to watch it, and sat down. And you know, it, uh, this was off the back of the Grand Slam as well. And you know, in my head, I was like, "Well, this is going to be it now." You know, we had the Grand Slam in '05, yeah. and then yeah. beat Australia in beat Australia in in the But not even back. I'd never experienced it first time around. This was my first <laughs> chance of, of experiencing a, a world side that had, that had really, you know, we'd won the championship in '94. But you know, to win a Grand Slam was, was something incredible, and then it was just steamrolled. And there was some other, there was some some northern lads sat behind me. It was about eight or nine of them, and I don't even think they gave a toss about rugby. But just like I can't remember who it was who Delalio steamrolled for a try, but he bundled up. Maybe Stephen Jones. He bundled over him, and this big northern lad behind me just stood up and went, "That's Delalio," and he just kept repeating <laughs> it. And, I will hear that. I will hear that. Whenever I hear a mention of that game, that's all I can hear in my head is that's the Olalio. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was a great. It was just like it was such like back down to earth with a bump. This is what Twickenham does to you. It's it's scarring stuff, isn't it? And you know, it's uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, but I mean, unfortunately, I'm kind of of that kind of age where um, I can I can the first game at Twickenham that I can remember is the '82 game, which was like the one after the Ringer game. And and so Wales were a little bit competitive, so they won in eighty four and in eighty eight, I think. And then for twenty years, it yeah. was just obliteration. So you know, they were just never in it. You know, a couple of games in the mid nineties were kind of challenge, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, we don't have any happy memories, do we? I, I once um, <laughs> we, we still, I was on holiday in, in Pisa actually once with, when the uh, there was a pre World Cup warm up match. You know, the sixty two five one. Do you remember that one in two thousand and I was there. Right there, we go. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was yeah, Bl- blistering hot day. It was hotter in hotter in London. Than it would have been in Pisa, I reckon, that day. It was so hot. <laughs> we found we found this hotel lobby basically. There was there was me and my wife and, and this this other couple from Wales who'd stopped sightseeing to come and watch this absolute massacre. And it was kind of the worst couple of hours that we had on that holiday. It's just grim. But yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's 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 the big one, isn't it? It is it is the big one for us, and it's the one that we want to we want to give an account of ourselves in. And and it, I mean, I think now it means a lot for for the development of the team because what we don't want really is for this team to start getting used to the kinds of thrashings that you know, the teams that we've seen yeah. in the nineties and the two thousands took. So you know, there there needs to be that thing where they, where they get that sense that what they're doing is is working in part and it won't work all of the time and they will be inconsistent, they will drop off and that is going to happen and we just have to prepare ourselves for that, you know, and it happened last week. But, you know, it's it's something we want to, we, we do want to see them being in there and mixing it and really feeling that they belong and they gave that impression a lot of these young kids on you know, last Saturday, they really gave the impression that they belonged at this level. Um, you know, players that he probably might not have thought about as, as being as test players, really, um, a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a shot and a thing, but we, we need to we need to compete and we need to stress England and we need to put them under pressure and we need to make them think. Yeah, and it is, um, I don't know, I, th- I think that there is something about players of 
test match mentality, you know, and when you see it. And I think, you know, there were definite signs of it last week. That's why, you know, I've I've, I've really enjoyed Alex Mann's performances this season. Yeah. I mean, he's only played 12 or 13 games of, you know, of uh, top-flight rugby. And, again, he just looked to the man of born for me. He looked like he really relished the, 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 the big occasion. And I think it's it's those things that you that you look for. And I'm really hoping we can see more of that again. You know, I said on here on uh, on the, the the podcast that came out on Monday, like to see Wainwright back it up with another yeah. another massive performance would really give you something to build on. I think the players would look around it and say, yeah, and Reffle to do the same. You'd look around it and go, shit, we've got, we've got, uh, we've got someone here. You know, we've got someone who's going to be the, a, a totemic figure for us over the next, over the next few years. And, yeah, I don't know. There, there's so much potential. I just don't, as you say, I don't want to see the wheels come off yeah. like they would have done in the 90s. I, I just want it to be something that, you know, whether we win or lose, a performance you can be proud of. There, there, there are those intangibles, aren't there? There's there's some players who are just, as you said, test match animals. They're just made for it. And they might not be as naturally gifted as some other players, but there's something about them that when they get into the test match environment, they just thrive, you know, and... There's a, and it's very, very, very early days, but there's an inkling of that with some of these players. And players like Alex Mann seems, as you say, he seems to be born to it. You know, Mason Grady's another one who seems to be born to it. Mm. Um, you and Lloyd on the basis of Saturday, you know, who knows? I mean, he's likely to be an erratic 10, but, you know, he, he thrived on Saturday. Um, so so there is, I was reading recently, you know, with a, with a slammed program that's been on BBC Wales recently, and they're talking about the 80s and talking about the tour to, to New Zealand. Which is magnificent, by the way. I've enjoyed it so much. Like, when the the Netflix series came out with such a fanfare, and I found so incredibly, yeah, yeah. you know, banal. Yeah. Slammed is just is just is just perfect. It's you know all three the all three that have come out so far, I've enjoyed from start to finish. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it's kind of like like fields of praise in kind of three part TV series format, isn't it? And it's just lovely. I, mean, I really enjoy them. Um, and it's all about the social history and all the rest of it in the background of it. But there's, there's you know, the, the t- I haven't seen the one about the tour of New Zealand yet. Um, I'm still working my way through with them, but I was reading about uh, about the tour, and there were there were a lot of players there um, who it was it was felt by some of the squad they'd just given up, and it was the same again on the '91 tour to Australia, where there were there were players who I think it was in it was either Jonathan Davis or Ian Ian Evans's biography where he said they were. There were people queuing up to see the doctor because they just wanted to go home because it was such a horrible experience. Um, and so, and so, what you so what you really need, I think, from we need to see from the squad is is that they they don't want to go home kind of thing. They want to stay there. And they want to keep on scrapping because if they stay there and they scrap, then they will improve and they will have good times. Um, because as you say, there's a lot of talent in that team. They showed it in flashes on Saturday. Um, a lot, lot of them seem to have really high ceilings. Again, very early days. We don't want to get carried away, and, you know, put the mockers and everybody. But, but yeah, it's 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 about having that kind of that attitude that they are not going to take a step back. And with people like you know Refl leading the charge and people like Wayne Wright gambling around and that those kinds of players there, then they're, they're going to give people a target. They're going to see them, you know, the rest of the team are going to see these players not giving up, crashing into more tackles, driving into more rucks. And, and they're going to just follow them in. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, hopeful, positive, I and mean, who knows, by Saturday night we might be seeing things very differently, but, but I think that team has a lot of raw ability. We might, but I think the thing that you can definitely take out of Saturday is the fight and the spirit that was shown, and that's, you know, for a young group of players to do that, I think that's that's really 
that's the bit that's really encouraging for me. And as as huge amount of potential as they have of play, as players, that's where Test match rugby can get can get really really lonely. Is like you say, if you're if you have that 1991 tour of Australia mentality, it can be a pretty dark place to be. But I, I didn't get that feeling from anyone really. I think you know even Costello who had a, a really a really poor game. He's not. He's not done off the back of that. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a guy. He's, he's twenty two, and they'll they'll back him. He'll be back in that side. He'll be back in that ten jersey, and yeah, he he has more to offer than than was shown then. I think if they can develop this, you know, this identity and the way they want to play and play with some tempo and get some results, yeah. then yeah. I think you see, you know, you'll see uh, some very different performances from those guys who had, you know, who had rough first halves. And you know, Josh Adams. You know, we know that that's that's not that's not the the best version of Josh Adams you're ever going to see. So, um, so I think, yeah, again, it's, <laughs> it, can, it can all change very, very easily. I just want it to be a, I want it to be a performance where there's, you know, there's, there's a lot to be proud of. Um, with that in mind, as we're coming towards the end of the show, let's go for a prediction. We'll go for mine second, because obviously it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very, very close to the money judging by last week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's either you or William Hill. Is it what did William Hill say this week? Because it was a one-point game in I haven't looked actually. You, 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 it was you who told me last week it was a one-point game. I think I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't actually checked. Yeah, that's also somewhere on, on, on Twitter. I think today that uh, Scotland are again being forecast a one-point game victory again by the bookies. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, yeah, it all depends on that first kind of twenty minutes. If we're still in it after twenty yeah. minutes, I think. Um, I think we can push England, and I think you know, difficult to see a win. I think, but I think we, if we can push them and stay within a score for lengthy periods of the game, and you know, give them something to think about, that would be good. So I'm, I'm thinking something like uh, maybe a six six point defeat, maybe something like twenty five nineteen, something like that. Yeah, I can see the I can see the logic in that. Um, absolutely right. Let's just before I do mine, I am going to take a quick look at what the bookies <laughs> are saying. Oh, right. So it's eleven point eleven point um, oh, handicap yeah. for Wales. Oh, yeah. So you can right. get uh, yeah, which could make for for difficult um, for a difficult afternoon based on that. But I'm sticking with the uh, the optimism of last week. Um, so it won't be an eleven point hiding. I'm going to say I, I do think England will win it. But I'm going to go uh, England by four. So uh, yeah, let's go um, England twenty-two, Wales eighteen. Yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah there'd be. But yeah, like you say, I would like it to be. We're going into that with an opportunity to win it at the end, rather than the game's done and we get a consolation seven points to to bring the yeah um, yeah to bring the score close. Just I just want us to be in it at the end. It's like. It's like like when I'm backing a horse. I just want the horse to be in it when it comes to the last fence. That's fine. I've had my entertainment value out of that. Um, yeah. Whether it wins or not is a, is a bonus. Um, but yeah, I, I just want it. Yeah, I want us to be in it and and give them a real give them a real good fight on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, and, and that that would I think that would lift everybody when it and we'd come up to the first section of games, the first two games, feeling pretty positive about things. If if we could uh, you know really really give them a game on Saturday. Absolutely. So it's been a pleasure to chat with you as always. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed these last couple of weeks having a, a preview ahead of the game. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks for all the comments on uh, on Twitter and on socials. If you have enjoyed the podcast, uh, then please leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your podcast, that'd be fantastic. A thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. 
If you want to get some great quality coffee, you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Uh, if you go via our, the link on our Twitter page, uh, there is a uh, there's a discount on there as well. So make sure you do that and get uh, get it um, a bit cheaper. Um, but yes, we will be back to chat rugby with you on Monday. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Podcast Network.